This podcast is brought to you by A Copy Match. A Copy Match is a boutique matchmaking service that helps exceptional singles find meaningful connections and relationships. To learn more about our matchmaking services, online dating makeovers and takeovers, or to enroll in an upcoming group coaching intensive, go to agopymatch.com. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. For over a decade, I have combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, I answer your dating and relationship questions on the podcast and online. If you're not already following me, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Matchmaker Maria. And while you're at it, follow this podcast, Ask a Matchmaker, so that you can receive an episode drop every Wednesday in your favorite podcast listening app. This week's guest is Aminatu So. Aminatu is a writer, interviewer, and cultural commentator. She is a frequent public speaker whose talks and interviews lead to candid conversations about ambition, money, and power. She lives in Brooklyn. And of course, she co-hosted the podcast, Call Your Girlfriend, with her friend and journalist and editor, Ann Friedman. Together, they also wrote the best-selling book, Big Friendship. I am like, I mean, not to, I'm so excited you're here today. You're my generation's, I can't, either Kara Swisher or Terry Gross. Like, pick one. Oh my gosh. I mean, no offense to Terry Gross, a legend, but... Kara Swisher, very near and dear to my heart. So I'll take it. I'll take it. It's like you have, I love listening to like old episodes of Call Your Girlfriend because it's like you have such a finger, like a, you have your finger on the pulse of like what's happening. And then you and Anne would be able to unpack things with such nuance. And you can always get a glimpse about your friendship through this. So I want to talk to you a little bit more about friendships, obviously, here, because you wrote a book on it. But I also want to talk about you. Like, what are you doing? What's going on? Oh, I was here because I thought you were going to set me up with the love of my life today. So if we're going to talk about friendship, I'm leaving. Well, Goodbye. Thank you. <laughs> Just kidding. No, fr- I mean, friendship is so, you know, it. it's really interesting, Um Anne and I obviously wrote this book, Big Friendship, together. Our friendship is, you know, I would say like a semi-public friendship because we worked together and, you know, people experience us out loud a lot. But I think that what probably resonates the most for people about the work that I do in friendship and the work that Anne and I do in friendship is actually not that we are, that Anne and I's friendship is unique. It's actually very, very ordinary. And I think that a lot of people, especially women, can really kind of see, you know, even if we don't experience the same things or we're, we're very different people, um, they can see the contours of their own very significant friendships in the way that we talk, right? And so I think that um, that always makes me really excited because I think that friendship is just such a foundational relationship. It's such an important, important, important relationship to me. It, it, you know, it really like at the core of who I am, I'm like, I'm a friend. So it's, um, it just like makes me really happy to talk to other people about how they are doing friendship because, um, you know, I'm not doing it well most of the time. So I love to know how other people are doing. Ooh, man, all those, that, that last sentence, like doing it well, you know, there have been instances where I felt like I didn't do friendship well, but then I think about like, you know what, my life was like, I, it's okay to sometimes I'm probably going to the conclusion here, but it's okay to sometimes be a little selfish 
if you don't have the emotional bandwidth to be a friend. Oh, 100, 100%. I think that, you know, it's less about selfishness. And it's also interesting hearing you say that because that's a refrain we hear a lot. I think that everyone's anxiety around friendship really, first of all, it's a, we all have these anxieties. So it's not, again, nobody's unique here. Um, it's my favorite thing about being an adult is finding out that you're not a unique snowflake. And you've that never is had actually, them. I think that's like the best part of TikTok. I've learned that I have not had a single unique experience. Yeah, you've never had an original thought in your life or an original experience. But to I, me, that's like very, it's very, very, very reassuring. And it feels really good. I feel like, you know, when I realized I didn't have a, God, TikTok every day teaches me I've had no unique experiences. But have you seen this video recently where there's like, I don't know, I think she was like a white girl in the back seat of a car. And she's like, there's like smoke around her. And she's carrying like a water bottle or a Gatorade. And it's like, the music is on blast and she's just like POV you're a 17 year old in a 25 year old's car going to a party. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've never seen that one, but that's really funny. (laughs) All the comments are like, how are we not dead? Like, like how did we all experience this getting to some like losers backseat, going to a party, sneaking out of the house? Like, how did we all experience this? Oh my gosh. I don't know. My mom died when I was 19, which that's my entire personality is my mom died when I was 19. But I, <laughs> I, don't I know think why I just, about uh, the chuckle. I'm sorry. The, I mean, it is, it is chuckle worthy. Um, it's true of like most people who've lost someone. It's like our entire personalities. But um, what I was going to say is that I've been thinking a lot about my mom and especially because, uh, you know, it was like Mother's Day. And then it's also like a lot of my friends' kids are getting older. And so they're like, now there's teenagers. And it's so interesting how like for me I, I've turned into this like intensely overprotective maternal person to not even my own children I don't have kids and I just think of all the times that I almost died as a like as a teenager and my parents yeah. have no clue they just they had like have like no, no clue they have no idea and so whenever these teens try to pull a fast one on me I'm like excuse me I am the original trying to pull a fast one on a grown-up yeah you will not fool me um but yeah that's really man TikTok I thank you for bringing, thank you for bringing this full circle for us. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. It's like, uh, uh yeah, it, it's interesting now as, so there is a point, like, I know you don't get to experience this with your mom, but it's interesting for, as your parents get older, there is a moment where I think for a lot of people, not all people, for a lot of people, we tend to look at our parents as like, I don't know, these divine beings, like they can't, like, it's like you're on their path and you're, you don't realize like they might be doing something wrong. Right. That's just, they're doing the best that they can mm-hmm. most of the time, most people. Right. And there is a point in adulthood where the switch gets flipped and suddenly you're parenting them. Yes. I mean that I'm, I'm an African immigrant. So I think, you know, I saw a tweet the other day that was like, I've been, I've never had a childhood. I was a trusted advisor to many adults. I was like, that was me my whole whole life. Um, Yeah. You know, and I think that like, especially when you are, you know, like the the kid of immigrants and you're navigating new countries, there, there's definitely a kind of, your parents parent you, but then there are ways where you are the adult already. Oh yeah. I mean, I remember translating like documents when I'm seven and I'm like, (laughs) I'm seven. You're like, yeah, you're like, I'm out here paying light bills, you know, like applying for visas, like what's happening. But I do so, think that, yeah. that, you know, it's like, it's right. It's true. The older you get, the more you do, you do get to start parenting them. But also I think you start to understand 
that they were also people, you know, and that you start to kind of see. And I think that this is true no no matter what kind of relationship you have with your parents, um, that like for a lot of people, there is a moment that comes where you're like, oh, these bozos are also just two people. And here's kind of how they try to do life. And sometimes and it, it works it out, sometimes it doesn't. More, yeah. And it feels even more evident for me, like now having kids, it's like, oh God, my parents were doing these things. Like when I was kids, like, you know, you're trying to figure it out, like having your first kid is way harder than having a second kid because the learning curve is is a mountain. It's not a tiny little hill. And, you know, uh, then you're like, oh my God, my parents went through this. And then, it, and then it, to go back to friendship, it's like, okay, why are these people friends with my parents? Not that, not that there's anything wrong. I really like the friends that my parents <laughs> have. <laughs> but it's also like the choices that they made upon moving to this country with two young kids. You know, they moved to, to the United States with two kids under two. And, um, or let's say two kids under three. I was two. My sister was one. And when we moved here, it's like, oh, they chose to be friends with people who had also just moved into this country with mm-hmm. young kids. So it's like the blind leading the blind in this way. I know, but Whereas, isn't that what all, isn't that what every single human that's relationship like is? You know yeah, but I mean? you know, you don't you see, yeah, but you say that, but you know, you don't realize it until you, I didn't, okay. So I happened to go to undergrad in Europe. So again, I felt like, okay, blind leading the blind. We're still on that page. But then I go to grad school and I start to meet people who have been generationally in this country or generationally. Like I remember speaking to um, some of our closest friends. They grew up in Brazil and generationally they have like, they're the new people here. Right. But they were not raised in a house where it's like, you have to translate or they're not raised in a house where your parents are trying to figure out the new system or figure out things. And it's like, oh, there is this place where. I don't want to say privilege because I don't think that's the right word for it, but there's this massive opportunity that exists when you don't have to figure out certain things for young people at once. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of struggling with this lately as an adult. Yeah, I guess like but... I am the new, I'm the new person in my family to America. So if I had children, I will be the mother, I will be the immigrant mother that they're complaining about. Right. But in Europe, I would like my parents were that. Um, I think, you know, I I don't know, maybe it's being black, maybe it's being an immigrant. Like I just do not have an experience. I have an experience of family rather. And this is probably like very much being um, African and West African specifically is I have an experience of family where children are contributing members to the family unit yeah no matter no matter what so whether it's you know it's like i remember cooking and cleaning when i was very young or you know or it's the administrative tasks that you have to do with your parents if they don't if they can't navigate the country or the language or the whatever but i you know so so i think yeah i i wouldn't call it a privilege when i meet people who haven't had this kind of experience i just think it's different i think people people come from all kinds of you know Families love, happen in all kinds of configurations. And I so love that's hearing just like the configuration. I love hearing the configuration. And, and, and maybe it's because like as a matchmaker, I interview like four people a day uh, outside of this podcast. And uh, I'm constantly asking them, like, tell me more about your family. What's your relationship with them? Like, And it's like you hear everyone's configuration. And it's just so interesting what the outcome uh, can be from those from those things. Um, but yeah, no, no unique experiences, though. And no matter what, whatever country you're from. You're still doing the same damn thing. Yeah, things. I mean, it's I I I loved you saying that that like you're not you're interviewing first of all interviewing four people a day. I'm like I'm already drained thinking about that. Yeah. Um, but hearing everyone how everyone's family is configured differently, I was like maybe that's actually what's true is that um no two families are the same, but someone somehow we've all been sold this childhood dream that somewhere 
there was like a mother and a father and two kids and a dog and a picket fence and they've been there forever and ever. I'm like, that family doesn't exist. That family literally does not exist. Um, Listen, we have great rapport. I remember the first time that either I slid into your DMs or you slid into my DMs and I lost it. I lost it. I was just like, oh my God, Matchmaker Maria doesn't even know that I have multiple group chats dedicated to her. Like this is- Oh my God, tell me more about this. You- Not not for my narcissism. No, just, no, no, it's, not, so I it's understand. not for narcissism. It's actually for your professionalism is I will say that like, one, you have a solid following. I remember I remember the person who told me about you, um, our mutual Lauren, who's like the best, who was just like, listen, who I'm always telling Lauren about how bad my bad my or sometimes good my dating adventures are going. And every once in a while she'd give me advice and every time she was like, That's matchmaker Maria and I was like, That sounds sound and every time I did it, I was like, It worked out well and then more and more friends and then you became kind of the the like the guru of the group the chat you know the like the lady the myth the legend um but yeah. mostly the like <laughs> that you know the like kind of no bullshit real advice giver here's what i'll say is that i think that a lot of dating advice especially when you get older is very condescending and it's also very um it'll happen when it happens right it'll happen when it happens it's <laughs> you know people talk to you like you're a kid like that. your life's not valid or whatever but also i think that a lot of people ask questions that they want a very specific kind of answer to and the thing that i always appreciated about um i'm just gonna keep calling you matchmaker maria because it's the best moniker the thing i appreciated about yeah it's the persona right the thing i appreciated about matchmaker maria is that one it was like no bullshit it was like no bullshit it was like uh why are you asking why is a question you already know the answer to and also like nothing has to be like contrived or fraught or you know it just like some things are just not as complicated as you make them out to be in your head. And I appreciated that. But also you don't talk to single people, especially like women, like they're idiots, you know? And I was like, that is, uh, that felt like very important. I think that there are a lot of dating experts in this field. And um, I think matchmakers uh, just in general have a very, I love matchmakers. I love meeting matchmakers. I love talking to matchmakers because I would say that most matchmakers, you know, obviously their superpower is connecting with people and, you know, extroversion. I love being friends with matchmakers though, because none of them treat you like what you just said, like an idiot. Like they just assume you've read the books. They just assume you know this. And I think, I think what comes out in my stuff, the no nonsense dating advice is that a, there is a parasocial relationship that I am having with my viewers. Oh, 100%. Right? Are you kidding? Including me. I'm always like, yeah. it's like you're you're an avatar, right? People just forget that you're... Right. People forget that they don't actually know me. Like I will meet sometimes people in person and they're having conversations with me. I'm like, I, I just met you. And, and that's fine. I love when people come talk to me, but it's also like- No, but you're in their group chats. You're in their group chats. You're in their They life. think I'm their friend. Yes, you've been them all. Right. And that's because I'm also on my end, like not only am I giving you dating advice, but I'm not showing you the pretty image of life either, right? Like I show you that like right now I'm caring for my mom, that I have toddlers. I have, I ha I do have a great relationship with my husband, but we work on that, right? Like, so, you know, there's all these things that I'm involving my viewers in, um, in that parasocial relationship slash friendship, let's say, right? It's, but it's very much one-sided. Now I think the no nonsense part comes from, well, forget that I'm an Enneagram eight, but also um, I think that what a lot of friends fail to do and what I'm doing really well, 
take it back to friendship is I think friends, I get it because I'm a friend. They, they don't want to tell you, you have to make a decision. Like, I think when people come to me, they don't, they just want to hear you have to make a decision. Like they'll ask their question. The answer might seem obvious, right? Like I have people that say, how could they be asking you this question? It's like, well, if you ask this question to your friends, your friends are going to say, well, stick around, give him another chance because ultimately you don't want to tell your friend break up with him unless he's a trash person, but you're just, everyone gives grace, grace, grace. I have slightly, I have a slightly different take on this. I think, tell me, um, and, and this is just me. I am obviously not a matchmaker at all. Um, well, I take it back. I'm not a romantic matchmaker. I am a platonic matchmaker and I'm very good at it. So I will, I will say that. Absolutely. I will say that here. Um, I think that two things, I think that a lot of people or some people, ugh, I love it. I hate speaking generalities. I think that some people, one, a lot of us just do not like giving advice in general. Um, I am an Aries. So I tend to, um, like I'm a, bulldozer in everything and i realize that even when i speak to people they think i'm giving them advice and i'm like no no i'm just you how i'm doing life um i don't really believe in like advice unless somebody specifically asks you for advice right it's like unless someone goes hi yes. i need your advice and then you're giving advice otherwise please do not um engage that's like an nlp hack by the way like i i tell people all the time like don't give people advice who didn't ask for it you yeah. have to get their permission totally let people vent let whatever but also ask questions like the secret is to honestly just ask questions and sometimes i ask my friends like are you venting or are you seeking advice because i know my tendency mm. is to um th this is my sickness and it's why i think i not to be like very heteronormative about everything but i think this is why i get along with a lot of my friends husbands is that i'm like oh yeah i too am a problem fixer like i'm not a i, I don't hear venting i just want to but i'm working on it thank you therapy and whatever so ask a lot of questions so a lot of people just generally are just giving advice when advice is not given but i think that a lot of people do not spend a lot of time kind of examining how their own relationships are possible and so there is just this like paralyzing fear of like ah i just met my person you know like they it, it was like it just like happened it's like the same way that okay you're supposed to it's it's some sort of like marker of life you know like okay at some point you get a partner I think that a lot of people do not spend that time like dissecting like how is this possible da 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 because because also it's again like not replicable right it's hard to say well you um in order to get to, to have the same kind of life i have or relationship i have you have to be me which i think is the thing that a lot of people think um but also i think that there is a huge fear in general with like giving people dating advice specifically or meddling in someone's romantic life because people have their own shame about what's unspoken and unsaid in their own romantic lives you know so it's almost like a you you kind of don't really want to dig beneath the surface but again these are like why it, it's why sometimes it's easier to talk to a complete stranger about some things because you don't have to give them anything at all but at the same time it's why sometimes when your very close ones your number ones your friends are vulnerable with you and tell you everything that's going on in their lives then you you know you don't have this sense of for me at least as the you know i'm the i'm the single friend in the friend group most of the time i i will say this that the thing i love the most about my friends is that none of them make me feel like i'm lacking or i am you know like there, there's definitely like a part i think that there are dynamics like that for a lot of long-term single people where people just make you feel like you're not a grown-up you're not an adult maybe there's something weird with you and for me yeah, i have you know but i have like really good insight into most of my close friends relationships and i'm like oh i love that for you but also this takes a lot of work it's not charmed all the time it's not like an instagram reel and i think that actually that 
knowing that truth about people who are close to you makes you feel very good about like your own life, no matter where you're at in life, because that's the point of having close relationships is being vulnerable about the ways that our lives are made possible. And I think that that helps a lot with a lot of issues that you have in friendship, like especially with envy or with like, you know, being annoyed at like big and small things. When you understand the totality of how someone's life is, you're like, okay, like, you know, I love that you have a husband and uh, children and, you know, you're close with your mom, but also, you know, like speaking about you, Matchmaker Maria, I'm like, you are a caregiver. You are a caretaker. You have this really demanding job. It's like, it's not just like all of it is not charming. It's work. Like every single part of no. it is work. Yeah. And there's something about that kind of transparency. I think that's very generous. And, you know, for people who get that kind of generosity, it's like you're the point is not to be like, oh, my God, I could be exactly like this person. It's to be like, oh, actually, like all the things that I don't have um, are not it doesn't make me like a lesser person or less than it's like everything is hard. Like everyone's station in life is hard. I mean, yeah, I mean, so much of so much of what I do is just talking to single people all day. And it's like, everyone's just trying to figure it out, including myself. And I think the, the funniest people to be friends with when you are single are the people that, um, got married before dating apps 2013. Oh yeah. Before the dating apps. Yeah. But like they don't, they can't even comprehend. They can't comprehend. They're like, just you, I would love to use a dating app. And I'm like, no, I don't think you want to. No. You, I mean, like, I don't even like using a dating app and I'm like, <laughs> like it's my generation, but it's really funny with, um, anytime any of my friends are going through like minor inconveniences in their marriages, I turn into a full blown, like conservative Catholic priest. I'm like, don't leave them. You don't know. These streets are trash. I was therapy. like, figure it out. Whatever it is. I was like, Jason Momoa left his home for like mere weeks and then went back the streets are rough if jason Wait, Momo- are they back together i allegedly 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 unclear but he was like couldn't handle he couldn't handle the single life for for many more weeks because then he like then they're like pals again i was like you know what's funny that you said that like i i think the thing that surprises sometimes i have clients who work like in the nfl and like uh, they're football like players a, or they work for like the NFL football organization. What? You work no, no, with, no, no. You like work with football, football players? players? I could do a Sometimes, whole podcast yeah. about that. This is amazing. <laughs> football players need help. I've also had a f I've also had a few coaches, but um I think that's how the NFL discovered me. It was like one of the coaches hired us and then he dated like someone. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I love um this. what's funny is when I tell people that they kinda of have what you just reacted, like, what? And I go, Yeah, you know, and the funny thing about that is they always say the same thing. Like, why can't they find a person on their own? They're football players, for Christ's sake. And I go, yeah, that's the problem with people that have their paychecks public. <laughs> um, Jason Momoa, you know, uh, like, uh, what's it called? Even, um, uh, oh, what's his name? I almost said my client's name. But, like, uh, someone who's very similar to Jeff Bezos. Oh, like a tech person. Um, people mm-hmm. like this come to me, right? Because like what option, unless they start dating through their friends and we'll, I want to talk about how friends can sometimes be awful matchmakers. Their, sometimes, their most of the time. Fun. <laughs> I, well, I don't want to, I don't want to do generalizations, you know, I don't want to make people feel bad, well, but yeah, we'll most of the it. time we'll friends are pretty bad matchmakers. Well, and... yeah, because you're not telling them because matchmaking is an expertise. It is like even just planning a good dinner party, like forget marriage, just being like, okay, I'm inviting six strangers. What are the, 
what are the elements of a good dinner party? You know, and, and frame it in this way, right? So I think one of the best ways to meet someone is through a friend. So even though I could say like friends make terrible matchmakers, um, they I also believe you can some of the best relationships starts through I don't want to say starts through friends. Some of the best relationships can happen by meeting through friends. You mean okay? romantic relationships or just relationships? Both. Okay. Both. But it has to not be a setup. Like when I met my husband. I reverse engineered. I was like super intentional about what I was doing that month. Um, I made a list. I was like, here's what I'm looking for. Which of my friends is dating or married to someone like this? Because I think, and you're the expert here, so you have to tell me, but I feel like after the age of 25, people of a feather, like birds of a feather flock together. I mean, I especially after the age of 27, when you're able to articulate your values better, I think that I find that well, in any case, I was like, which of my friends is married or dating someone like this? And then I went to those two men and was like, next time you're out with your friends, please invite me. I didn't ask them to set me up because you know what? You know what men always say? Oh, well, if my friends are idiots or, oh, oh yeah, or it's better. not going to work I mean, out or it's not going to. Yeah. I didn't ask for your opinion. I was like, no, no, no. Just invite me next time you're out with your friends. And that's what one of them did a week later. He's like, Hey, I'm going to be in Boston. Here are my friends. Half of them were in relationships. That wasn't the point though. It was like, I was just trying to extend my network with people that were similar to him because maybe one of his friends will be single and then maybe we might work out. Like I want to be friends with these people, you know? Okay. That's a, know. that's a good strategy. And I agree with you, but I will say this is that, um, I do all of that. Like I, um, I'm a hyper social person. I meet people all the time. I connect people all the time. I, I've ne like, I have been the matchmaker of four different married couples. I never told them oh. that I was matchmaking them. I just kept inviting them to things together that's and like creating opportunities for them to hang out. That's what you do. It's like, that's how it's no pressure for everyone, right? It's no pressure for exactly. me if it doesn't work out well, but it's also no pressure for them because you're not like, you know, showing up at the picnic or at the thing being like, oh my God, like it's a, it's a setup. It's like, you just, you create opportunities for people in your life to, to hang out in general. And also... I've connected so many of my friends like platonically to others of my friends. And that's also worked out really well. I think that, you know, going back to your earlier question about what makes a good dinner party, I think for everybody, there is a different answer. What makes a good Aminatu dinner party is um, one, someone is always responsible for the vibe, you know? And I was like, if you're the host, you are responsible for the vibe. Um, and that includes inviting people, that includes introducing people to each other, making sure that they have something in common to talk about. Um, I'm making this sound like very boring and tedious, but it's actually not. I was like people who, I have a, I have a grand unifying theory that in life, um, people are either hosts or guests. And hosts, mm. hosts, are also guests, but guests a lot of times are not hosts. You know what I'm saying? And so, I know what you're saying. Um, and, and it's fine. And I'm like, I am a host. Uh, you know, the host is, and Anne and I write this in our book, like the host is the person that always gets an extra, um, an extra seat when you RSVP for dinner, who always buys an extra movie ticket or a ticket to a concert. You're always like, oh, who can I bring later? Like, it's not a, you don't stress out about it in the moment. You're just like, oh, there's always room for one more person. And then you do the inviting. But a lot of people do not invite. Um, that said, like, I am, uh, I was like, like, I've never had any kind of, like, a anxiety around being single. If anything, I remember when I got out of my last relationship, I was like, oh, my God, I cannot date anyone for a long time because this is actually, like, very tedious for me. And I, and, and looking back on it, it was, a lot of it was, like, they were never monsters. It was just not a right fit. 
and also it was not the right time and you know and also i was like we were not each other's forever person not that i believe that there's a forever person but you know i was like nobody here was playing for keeps and that's totally fine you couldn't i hate to say forever person but i sometimes say like i was saying this yesterday uh to someone i was like the decision here is could you like them for the next yes. 20 30 100 percent. that's actually <laughs> such a better way of framing it or you know like sometimes you look at someone that you're dating and you're just like this is fun today it was fun yesterday i know it's gonna be fun tomorrow but you're like this person's not gonna be here in a year you know like you just like you yeah. know like sometimes like i'm a good time i'm a good time gal like i can have a good time and i kind of like that feeling too of like i remember when i was single thinking like i'm having fun and that's enough for me like i not everything has to be in this lens of marriage Right. Not everything has to be in the lens of marriage, but can I tell you something that's really funny? One trend that I'm noticing a lot on like in, in dating right now, um, well, I'll tell you the PG trends, but one PG trend I'm noticing a lot right now is people saying that they're dating intentionally. And it's so funny. And I was just like, first of all, who is not dating intentionally? You think that I am taking time people out of my under... Monday to like be No, here? I'm going to And I take I a shower and it's not intentional? You're right. Hold on a second. You're right. Cause I heard this term three weeks ago and I was like, what is happening? And apparently I think it was like a, I forget if it was like vanity fair or time, but some, someone like posted it two times, the cut, I don't know. And I was like, what is happening? And I looked into it and people under 28, you have to actually say it because otherwise they're not dating. They're hanging out. Yeah, but I, I actually disagree with this. I think that dating intentionally is what, like intentional is one of these like Christian words that like gets into the culture the same way that everyone is like community or, you know, like we all using the same words, but we don't have the same, um, we don't all have the same definition. So when people say that they're dating intentionally to me, I was like, okay, you've either read a book or, you know, you went to vacation Bible school or you are um or you're just a weirdo it's like we're like we're i don't know words... how much i believe in it because think about when we were in our 20s I, i'm assuming in your 30s right yes i'm in my um oh my god i'm in my mid to late 30s i'm so excited that's awesome uh it's so much more freeing to have money <laughs> i mean do i have money matchmaker maria i would like more money please i'm a, i'm a household of one i need more money i just i think about when i was 24 and i was like um i'm gonna buy a slice of pizza i hope i'm not in the red um, so to not be there anymore is always like, oh, I feel so blessed. <laughs> That's true. Well, but here's the thing about, um, what, what you were saying a little earlier about the 28 year olds and hanging out. I think that some of that to me again, and maybe it's because I'm a foreigner, American dating culture is very weird. Like it's very weird. It's, it's like, if you think about it, it's actually very weird. Um, and, and I think that the kid, I am actually with the kids, whenever I talk to like my friends, teens or the preteens and I'm like, Oh, who do we like? Like, who do we have a crush on? And they tell me, you know, like people that they're talking to or seeing, I actually really enjoy hearing that from them because adults are doing the exact same thing and pretending that we're more mature grown up than that. You know what I mean? I was like, this is dating is very weird. It's very weird to be like, okay, I'm going to get dressed to go meet this a lot of times complete stranger. And we are going mm -hmm. to LinkedIn interview one another to, to debate mm -hmm. if our genetic pool is compatible. And, you know, and I, like, and I don't know about you, but when I talk to older people, you know, like, like the older, older people in my life or, or like the non-Americans in my life, especially who are older, they're just like, oh yeah, I met this girl on the bus. And then two weeks later we were married or, you know, it's like, oh, he touched my arm at church and then we were married or we were set up by the imam. It would like 
dating has always been broken and it's so weird and people need all kinds of interventions. And when I hear from the old people like, oh, I, you know, like I met her on the bus. I was like, oh yeah, you guys come from a culture where if you slept with someone, you had to marry them immediately. I was like, thank God I don't live in a time where if you dance with a boy at a, like at a dance, that was your person because everyone saw you get a little too close to him, you know? And, and that's not to say that like those relationships don't blossom into being amazing things. I just think that in the particular container of modern life, um, as, as women, we have more options as people, we have more options. We also have more preoccupations, but also that like dating has always been weird and American dating specifically dating makes is also no sense. New dating is also very new. Like, you know, you're, you're saying all of this and I agree with you hundred percent dating in America is insane. Um, if you go to like Spain, Portugal, Italy, Greece, Turkey, um, Lebanon, Israel, that whole Mediterranean area, Tunisia, all of that, you'll see that dating is not dating as much as it's a bunch of friend circles, yep. like a couple dates. And then the girl and the boy, the man and the woman, they bring their friendship girls and they start to combine. And then they combine enough, like they go out three or four times until another couple is made out of this. And then another couple is like, that's, that's a lot of what dating is, is this social structure. Now with what happens in these countries in the last 10 years, and especially, uh, you know, in, in Northern Africa as well, is that a lot of this is based on the opportunity of romance, right? Like you mentioned before, like, oh, our hands touched maybe when we were at the cafe and then suddenly, you know, the sexual tension built and maybe mm -hmm. we stayed after and we made out or now he's my boyfriend. And that is a, that's a, I think that's how I had my, one of my first boyfriends is how I met him exactly. So what happens in these countries specifically that I mentioned is that there was an economic crisis. So then more people were either staying at home or they were going to the town square. They weren't necessarily like going to spend money at entertainment. And then also war broke out or uprisings broke out. And the chance of romance in these depressed economies or depressed environments and depressed is a very long range, right? From a physical, emotional, financial capacity, right? You suddenly have less dating way less dating. And I think in the United States, you, we are very, we have, we are able to date here in a post-capitalist society because we don't have war outside of our house. Like when I tell people, when I travel or when I'm visiting people, I'm like, oh yeah, people in the States, most people meet online. They're like, to have sex? And I go, no, no, they meet online to go on dates to like, maybe, you know, they, people get married through Bumble and they're like, no, to one night stand. I go, no, no, no. It's not just a one night. Stand. Like you're trying to explain to them, like this is this is actually a very common way that people date. It's also a very common way that people get confused. Um, but a lot of it is also dependent on us not having war at our doorstep. I mean, I thanks to Congress, I feel like I have door on my doorstep every day. But um, yeah, all kidding aside, yeah. you know, I it's interesting hearing you say that, and I I haven't thought about it long enough to have a really smart opinion about it. So I will just tell you my experience of being a black woman who is not American dating in this country. At who, and, and you also have a very diverse background. You've lived in yeah, a few countries. It's, yeah, I'm like a. I've lived in Europe. I've lived in Africa. I'm West African. I yeah. I'm I'm a, like I consider myself a foreigner, even though I, I love America. Um, and dating here, not even just dating, like flirting or being around men here, is very different than like when I go visit my sister in Belgium or when I'm or when I'm in France, like with How the rest so? of my family. In the sense that, like one, um, there is more of a 
like freedom and structure for men and women to be friends. Like it, it doesn't have to like here. Um, no, overseas. Oh, here. I was, gonna say, I was like, what? Here, <laughs> I find that there is this like very Fred Flintstone attitude of like, what? Like a man and a woman hanging out. It must be romantic. And I'm like, well, it could be, or it could not be. But like, it, it just feels less weird and less fraught. And I think also maybe because. I am an upwardly mobile, like relatively privileged, like went to college, you know, like also person of color. I do roll in like a very um, predominantly like white highbrow. kind of like circle, not highbrow, like white mostly. Uh-oh. But I will say that like race and class also inform dating in this country um, in ways that are like very specific. I'm not saying that they don't inform that in other countries. They absolutely do. But here... Um, it doesn't surprise me. It's like anecdotally, I will say that like most of the single women who I know are black women and they're all like very successful. They're like, you know, like very charming, very like all like on paper, like someone should have like scooped you up for some reason, like didn't happen. And when I look at like a lot of the, you know, like marriage trends and dating trends in America also, a lot of things do line up around black women like, are left behind. Yeah. Black women are, are left behind by like a lot. It's like, even on dating apps, black women are the least desirable on dating apps. Um, I like I remember one time like exchanging um, like my I think it was like Bumble or something profile with like another friend and being like oh my god I've been on this for like months look at the like the dearth of messages that I get and I'm like I'm a writer my profile is very good you know like I help other people write their profiles and and all of that stuff is just again it's just like very very interesting and then there's something that happens anytime I like my plane touches down like not in America where it's like okay men talk to me I'm talking to men Um, the energy is good everything you know like things just feel for me at least like different and maybe it is that like i am also more comfortable in those environments i just think that uh, why do you feel more comfortable in those environments well i i think maybe i'm speculating here i think i feel more comfortable because there's a familiarity of um there's something for me that anytime i'm not in america i could be literally in nepal on top of a mountain and i'm like oh I have something in common with people here. <laughs> like there are times in New York where I'll look around and I'm like, I have nothing in common with every single person at this table, which it just like, again, feels like American whiteness maybe. Um, I feel like I know who your match is while you've been speaking. Wait, really? And I have to express it. Yeah. Tell me, who's my I don't match? Know who, I don't know him personally, but like- Who's my match? I think you would do really well if you move to, not move, but visit Athens. And go into the rock scene. Like there's a guy with long hair who smokes cigarettes and um, like just very like just really well read. Like I, 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 he's probably friends with this guy who photographed my wedding. Um, <laughs> I'm going to track him but down like, now. I, yeah, I'm going to ask him like after this. But like I just there's this guy who's probably has his master's in something from England. Maybe it's in finance. But like he's he kind of flirts a little bit with uh with socialism uh and and commun I don't know about communism but like there's something like he's a little bit alternative he definitely lives in some southern european city he listens to rock music or something I don't know it's just I'm not I'm saying that's like a stereotype guy that's going to like you I just I have my intuition saying oh yeah I know exactly what the guy that is going to think is this a real person or an archetype this is not I, I, both. Both. Interesting. I mean, I feel like I feel like my intuition is telling me like I gotta find this guy. So if anyone in Greece is listening, yeah, yeah. If anyone in Greece is listening, I have a Greece like. Hey, listen, my podcast has ranked like top 
top five podcasts oh, before. I, be- so. I believe it. I believe it. Um, that was not a, so, that was not shade. That was truth. Anyone in Greece but, uh, is listening, hello. I, I have, I have like, a, I don't know. Like, I don't, there is just this, it is an archetype, I guess, too. But I think like, I've met guys like that where they're just like, it's so about, there are certain guys, I don't want to call them sapiophils because that's, that's weird. But that's my number uh, one are... turn off word and then profile. <laughs> yeah. But it's it is though, right? Um uh they are so into like they are so intellectually curious and want to learn from different people's experiences that they're not attracted to the homogeneous society that is for the most part provided in those countries. Mm. It's like, oh, I want to have an, another viewpoint at all times. And I'm going to date that person to have that. And it's, and, I'm, and I don't want you to confuse this with tokenism because you could have been, you know, um, French uh, or Spanish or something like that. Like, it's just like, oh, you're not Greek Orthodox. You're not Greek. Like, great. Like, let's, let's keep talking because I already know the Greek experience. And this could, you know, I think you could take out Greek and put Italian or Spanish or something as well. But like, it's definitely like a person that's, they need that opposite, not opposite, but like a different viewpoint. And I think they subscribe to it. And that's why I was like, oh, they, they're definitely like in a rock band. Because if you notice in a lot of European rock bands, it's usually talking about, they're not talking about love. They're talking about politics and the, the nuance behind these structures that we live in and all that stuff, at least in Southern Europe. Uh, it's very rage against the machine sort of living. I love this description because um, I finally did the the required exercise of every single person when they make you write your list. And for years I had refused to do it um, <laughs> because I was like, I don't know, this is, this is pointless. I was like, like the list is not a real person and also, you know, whatever. But then when I took the exercise more as a like intention setting and like a thinking about myself, and I also made it more about, I was like, okay, like here are qualities that I'm looking for in a person, but also here are, I also wrote down like what my, I think my um, orange and red flags are about me, like something that like someone oh. should know, oh. um, you know, or okay. like perceived orange or red flags because I was like, oh yeah, we all have those. But I was like, a, and I always ask this to everyone that I go on a first date with i love i'm like the queen of first dating or i always ask date? them or even guys that i just hook up with i'm just like what's your i was like what's your red flag do you think like what's your what's the thing about you that you think makes it like tough do you say it like this because this is kind of sexy yes obviously you can't just be like okay. badgering them um because you're asking something really intentional it is like truly my favorite thing to ask to dudes that i'm just hooking up with because Every single time they tell you the exact Just to truth. remind yourself, yes. don't fall in love. They, no, I mean, <laughs> they tell you the exact, exact reason. And then, you know, it's like when you have chemistry with someone. Um, one thing that I like, I was going to say that the thing that I love the most is your um, advice about sex also. Because, you know, like everyone is like, again, but this is very American. It's like this, like, do you sleep on him on date number three, date number six? Like, what do you do? Like, did you do the first time or the whatever? And people are always freaking out. And you're like, you're very much like... Um, if you don't want to do it the first time, like, don't do it. And then all, for all the people that are like, uh, hi, we had sex on the first time and now we're married. When you say um, somebody wins a lottery every day, good for you. That kills me yeah. every single time. True. I will say that my own policy TMI is very much, I will go wherever the chemistry takes me. And I so, yeah. So I've like hooked up with a lot of people the first time and it's been really 
fun and nice. And also some apps are literally just to hook up, like not to get married. So that's also, I was like, a, I have- What's your favorite hookup? Do you have a hookup app that you use? I I know, but I like, I don't feel like I want to give them the like credit, you know, because it's still like sure. a lot of work. Um, but, but also any app is a hookup app, technically, if you are honest that you just want to hook up, which I feel that like, as when I want that, I am very honest about it. I was like, hi, I'm here for a good time. Here's the deal. And have you ever hooked up with anyone who messaged you on LinkedIn? No, I deleted my LinkedIn years ago. Um, years, years, I don't years know ago. how to use LinkedIn. Learning that you've deleted, it makes me feel so good. Yeah, it was so bad. It's like, I think I literally had to send them a fax to be like, can you remove all of my data? This was so bad because I was living in San Francisco. I, w- I had a job at Google and every single time a guy would ask me out, it turned out it was an interview. Like I would go, like I would meet them on other apps or I would meet them on the street or whatever. Like it was never like someone messaged me through LinkedIn. And your name is so unique. Yeah, so of course, like they'll Google me. And then every single time, like literally three dates in a row in San Francisco, some dude like slid his resume to me and he was like, hey, can you put this in the Google data bank for me? Um, Because I'm trying to get hired there. And I was like, oh, thank you for making me waste my time. Um, uh, So yeah, San Francisco, a lot of men. But um, if I ever wrote a dating book about, my time there would be called um the the don't. odds are good but the goods are odd um so men everywhere but you don't want it but so anyway back um, back to the previous like backtracking with the thing it's like if you ask men about like it's funny when i've asked men that i hook up with about what their red flags are they always tell me the truth and then in, inevitably like when you have good chemistry with someone they're always like why aren't we dating and then you go well <laughs> here's my red flag and here's your red flag it's always the truth What's your red flag? Um, I wouldn't say that they're all red flags, but they're definitely orange flags. Hold on. Let me pull up my phone because it is on my phone. Oh, I've no. never heard the term orange flag. So, um, I mean, like an like orange, you, you know what I is? mean? Like a yellow card, a yellow card where you're just like, okay, okay, like this could be a problem or not. I think that I have. So now we've gone into football terminology. <laughs> soccer. Yes. I So European of you. I think that one <laughs> is that I, I like a lot of alone time. Like I require a lot of like recharge alone time. I like to sleep alone also sometimes, which in some of my relationships Mm -hmm. has been a problem. Um, My parents have never slept in the same bed. I love that. That's what I'm looking for. I was like, I want someone who wants to live across the street from me. I require a lot of alone time. I have a challenging relationship with my family we all get along, but it's been tough and evolving. And I think that for some people, that's Wait, tough. you say this all on first dates? Not on a first date, but if someone asked me, like, seriously, I would tell them. But also, when I was writing my list of what I wanted a partner, I had to write my list of, like, what I think would be challenging for someone to date me. And I was like, okay, that's that. And and I want to be clear, if my family is listening to this, I love my family. We are doing great. No, they're not listening to We them. are, you know what I mean? Like we're doing great and we're whatever, but I, like I'm someone who is like really honest about the fact that we've had really challenging periods as a family. And I have a really hard time generally with like, um, I always joke that I love to divorce. I, I love to date like divorce uh, kids who have come from divorce homes because if we have to do every single holiday, you know, and they like get along too well with their family, I started getting resentful. I was like, no, no, we're making a new family unit here. Like I, I'm a very independent person. My friends are really important to me and my social circle very important to me. So it's like, you would have to like fit into that somewhere. Um, I have, what else? I would say like, those are kind of, those are the big ones. Those are big ones, but like the family one's pretty big. Oh, also, I, 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 I like suffer from like depression and anxiety. I'm very well medicated. But like, I, you know, I go through like down periods every once in a while. And I've had a lot of health challenges also. 
Well, that's a lot. Yeah. So th- this but, is not like first you know, date that's conversation. Not, that's but it's not like, a lot, though. It's not a- like you think it's a lot, but a lot of people have a lot. Of course. But that's the whole point of the exercise, right? Is that like when I did it, I realized I was like, oh, these are things that like to me are a lot. But like everyone, someone else gets to decide whether it's a lot for them. What you have to do is be honest with them about and be transparent about like the here is how my life is. And then other people get to decide because that I realized that a lot of anxieties that I have about like kind of, you know, like my own like my own self, I was like, oh yeah, I'm not trying to date myself. Like, obviously, like I would never date myself. No. This person's a basket case, but, um, but it's, it's good to know. And it's also usually, and I found that like those things that I listed were all the things that like in the past I was either cagey about, or I like conflict would arise in those areas that were not actually about the reasons I thought they were about. They were about the fact that I was not communicating that well, you know? And I was like, okay, this is good self-knowledge. Do you think, do you think you'd like to have kids one day, biological or adoption or otherwise? Oh, that's another one of my, um, I put it as a, as a yellow card, but it's not a big deal to me. I cannot biologically have my own kids because um, I had a gynecological cancer and I had a hysterectomy through that. And so, and that's something that I like have been surprised has been, um, because like when I'm on dating apps, I always, I'm really clear about the, like, uh, I'll either... Like, I don't like the the guys who are like, maybe I want children. I was like, actually, I need you to have a, an opinion about this because it's important for moving, for moving forward. And for me personally, I'm like, I am, I will happily date someone who already has kids and doesn't want more of them. Or I will date someone who has kids and wants more of them, but knows that like they will have to be through adoption or some other means or someone who doesn't want kids at all. But I will not do the dance of like the, I'm not quite sure. I was like, you... But you just said, you just said maybe as well, though, because you just gave all the options. I know, but that's my own selfishness, is I'm like, I'm giving the options for what I want for them. But I think that a place that is Oh, you don't want the ambiguity from the other party. You want to know what you're getting into. Yeah, I want to know what I'm getting into, because I have really, I have really made my peace with it. And I think that, like, it's, you know, like, it's also a conversation that's, like, about, like, my health and my, like, a lot of things. Well, your identity, uh, more than anything, too, it's, it's a lot to have that procedure. And thank you for sharing that part about you, but... it's it's a lot yeah but it's also but it's also like at the core like uh you know like uh, i think that if you are a heterosexual woman again like all of this conversation is so heteronormative um you know you kind of have to think about these things as a woman earlier on um you know like a man will wake up at 62 and want to have a baby and we'll have a baby you know and also yeah. and also like i have seen so many of my like girlfriends get strung along for so long with someone who was like oh yeah maybe 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 and then time thief you know and then yeah. it doesn't and, and also sometimes they're not a time thief like sometimes they, they really you know it's really like a maybe but again I was like something's um everyone gets to decide what their deal breakers are and I was like for me ambivalence about this is a deal breaker because it's a kind of pain that just it brings on other kinds of pain that I'm not willing to like work through you know I was like I have I have done this work and so it's nice to know, like, earlier rather than later. Again, not first date material, but, like, pretty early on. I love that I scheduled this interview to talk about, like, friend stuff, but instead I'm getting, like, your whole background. Yeah, instead a, you're going to matchmake me? Um, are you? And apparently I'm going to match you. I uh, love it. No, I love it. I think this is so interesting. I think it's good to, like, hear another single person's perspective and like let it be public and I'm really happy that you're doing that because I think that there is this sort of 
one of the things that is this sort of validation. And I, I say that word because like, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I have this thing called the Agape Intensive. Mm -hmm. It's like our group coaching program. We also, hey, uh, if you don't know this, we still got spots for Tulum in November, agapescapes.com. Anyway, I had a little advertisement there. But um, one of the reasons why those pro that program has been like so successful is because women tap into the valid validation of it all. Like, oh, I'm not the only one having, it's, you know, dating is not a unique experience in the United States and Europe. Like we're all struggling with very similar issues and it feels good to feel, to see that. Even if it's like you said before with parents, like we all have wildly different parents, but in somehow some of the same struggles tend to f come up to the surface. It's the same thing here. We're all have, we're all dating different people. And yet we're also experiencing some of the similar emotional ranges, let's say that comes with dating in 2022. So I really appreciate, um, hearing your story. Let me ask you, um, here, like, are you still using dating apps? No. So I have deleted all of my dating apps because when I did my like exercise, um, my like excavation list exercise. And also I really did some intentional, like, okay, like here are all the dates I've been on. Like I am a serial first dater. It's so funny because I was, I was single for like many, many years and really did not care. Like I was not pursuing a partner at all. Like I was actively not pursuing a partner to the point where it would stress me out if someone who I thought was a friend started having romantic feelings towards me because I was like, no, like I, I, I am like very dedicated to this alone life. And then something happened in the pandemic where I was like, oh, I like, actually, I like, I'm feeling relationship energy and I'm going to figure it out. And I went on some of the best dates of my life in the pandemic. And some of them are people that I will be friends with for a long time, um, even though it didn't work out for like long-term relationships. What kind of dates were they? Were you at like a venue? Or, like, a yeah. Bar? Oh, yeah. Some of them dates? were like, like walking dates. Some of them were um, drink dates. Some of them were museum dates. Some of them were... Um, a lot of them were actually um, also FaceTime and phone calls in the beginning. Like I, yeah, I, had, this, awesome. I had this one person I that those. I dated for like three months where while we were getting our vaccine scheduled together, we used to cook a dinner together every night and we had like a whole schedule yeah. and it was really, it was really nice and, and it didn't work out, but, uh, but it was, it's, it was still like lovely. I have no regrets about it. Um, and it was honest. Do you ever travel outside of New York city to date? Um, well, that was, that's the other joke is that for a long time, my dating profile literally just said, um, new in town, show me around. And I would only ever, I would only ever fire it up when I was in a new city. And I was like, uh, yes, I've been to Boston many times. Thank you for, uh, thinking that I'm a tourist here. Um, and also like men love to teach you something. So if you're given an opportunity to be like, hi, like show me around, um, like I can't Google tourist sites myself. Um, but so anyway, all, all of that, like all of that, when all of that went down and. I, I woke up in the pandemic and I was like, I feel, I feel this relationship energy and I really want to listen to it. And when I did that exercise, I realized that like something that I is really important to me is for someone is to have someone who fits into my community, whatever that is. And, um, and I think the thing that was really hard for me with dating apps was meeting people that I'm completely socially untethered from. I was like, oh, I don't care if like our only social tether is that we go to the same dentist. Like that's important to me, you know, or we share an accountant. It's not like you have to be my like best friend's husband's best friend, but it was important to me to be like, no, no, no. I want to meet someone in the real world, very um, farm to table. Um, and, you know, but, and that's, those are the opportunities that the pandemic robbed us of. It was like, it was hard bumping into people. It was hard. Like 
um, you know, just that like chance meeting of I'm at the bar with my friend and I, I'm meeting a new person. And I, and for myself, I was like, you know what, I'm actually really going to work on this and I will make eye contact with men. I will say hello. I will try to be a more social person. And um, it's had varying degrees of success, but I do not regret not being on dating apps. I'm still on like one app to hook up and that's been really fun. Um, and weirdly, all of those guys end up being like some of the best dates I go on. So I've been using this app called Field that is an app that I think way back in the day, it was like supposed to be like Tinder for threesomes because everyone's looking for a unicorn. And there's a reason that a third person is called a unicorn. Couples are so selfish. They think that like the third person is magically waiting for you. It's like, no, that's insane. Um, and so instead of, it's like the threesome economy is not a real economy. It's, it's, it, it's harder than NFTs. Someone else figure that out. But the thing that it, the thing that the app has now become is this kind of space for people who want to be sexually liberated, um, whether it's like through kink or BDSM or ethically non-monogamous relationships or whatever can, can hook up with each other. I have my own feelings about um, like ethical non-monogamy and all of that stuff. It's like, I've read all the books, I've done all the work. I'm like me personally, both for logistics and um, just like knowing myself reasons. I am like, I am a monogamous person. I was like, I know that. Yeah. I embrace it. It's fine. I do not judge other people's like kind of arrangements. And I also think that like within the intimacy of a relationship, there are conversations that you should be able to have around sex and around desire and around, you know, like all those kinds of things. But so the thing, the reason I think that field has worked out really well for me um, for hooking up slash dating is that it forces, again, if you're a hetero, it forces straight dudes to be honest about the kind of sex they want, which usually at my age is kind of the, it's like, this is the thing that is always the problem. It's like, you'll, you'll date someone for like a year or two years and then marry them. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, here's a sexual bomb in our relationship. Or we've been doing, even like, think, it's pretty common. Yeah. Or, or even just think about dating. It's like, oh, you're supposed to like, like this person enough that then you have sex with them. And then it's like, what happens if like, all the dating was great, but like literally you're not sexually compatible. I don't mean that the sex was bad. It's like first time sex is often bad because you don't actually know yeah. each other and you don't know each other's bodies and you haven't communicated and whatever. Sometimes it's hot. Sometimes it, 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 it's not. But like most of the time I will say it's it's bad. But it like what happens if you have all these like amazing dates with someone and then you get there and you're like, oh, like I can't live with this. Like I or this person, one person has a higher libido than the other. One person has a lower libido. One person like you know, it's like, whatever. And I think that like, the reason this has really worked out for me is that I have found my own way of like, really sussing out and pulling out and making the men that I date have these conversations with me up front in a non sexual way, actually, in a way that's about consent and about communication. And about just and it's just like being honest, you know, where it's just like, okay, I'm like, what this kind of reminds me of um, when I was single, um, I would play around with Craigslist sometimes. Ooh, oh, a, miss the Craigslist casual corner. Um, Kamala Harris took that yeah. away from us. She's the one that took that away from us. Bring back the casual corner. Uh, so there was actually a, a different way to kind of reverse engineer. I would try to experiment with uh, misconnections. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if I wanted to, um, <laughs> I remember being in the Upper East Side. I, I lived in the Upper East Side in my early 20s, um, my mid-20s. And... Um, 
I I was done traveling with like for 45 minutes to like Astoria or Brooklyn or whatever. Like I was like, no, I, I want to date in the Upper East Side. <laughs> like I'd like to be in walking distance of sex. <laughs> Location specific. So I went on Miss Connections and I wrote, I saw you on the six. You got on at this stop. You got off at this stop. You were wearing this. I was like, you were wearing a suit with a blue tie. The most like, generic. I, like, <laughs> And, um, you know, you, I didn't say anything about hair. I, I'm 5'11", and I was just like, I think you were my height. Um, I'm 5'11", but maybe, but I was also wearing heels, so I don't know. I'm and you know what that did was it got all the guys who were like 5'9 and up who were like into women that are tall. So like, you know, I was kind of, I mean, like we looked at each other a couple times. Like I was trying to prove like, yeah, we had sexual tension. You know, you remember me, right? This is and, so um, funny. I did that like the, the I did it a few times. The first time I did it, I got like 17 replies. All of these guys who lived basically between 86th Street and 77th, they all had they were all employed because I told them I saw you on the train at 7:45 a.m. That is so funny. And um, they were all like, when do you want to go out? Oh, I think I remember you. You don't remember me. But like, because this is made up. But they, you know, I went on like five, five dates. I dated one of the guys for like six months. I never told him. That you made up his uh, casual connection. That made it up. So if you're listening to <laughs> it, oh, hey. That is um, so but it was But it was also casual. But then I did it again because I loved it. I love being able to pick. Like, even when I eventually moved to Chelsea before I met my husband, I did it again. I was like, hey, saw you. you. The problem in Chelsea is that there's way more there's way more people that are not heterosexual there than, than Upper East Side, at least, like, openly, right? So, um, so I had to be a little bit more creative there. But, again, you know, kind of, like, leaning into, like, okay, where, where are they working? I want them to, you know, kind of this sort of thing. And I was able to, to fish a lot. It was way better in the Upper East Side than Chelsea, I'll be honest with you. But, um... But it was way, it was fun to like kind of fish for men this way. And I will say something about Craigslist dating. Craigslist dating, the kind of guy who goes on misconnections is also the kind of guy who goes on casual encounters. Yeah. And there is nothing wrong with that because, hey, I have been around there uh, as well. And it's exactly what you said when you come in with this place of like, I'm just going to be honest and vulnerable yeah. with you. Like, here's what I'm looking for. What are you looking for? Maybe it aligns. And, you know, maybe that's not a romantic relationship. Maybe it's just a sex relationship. But, hey, if it fulfills you for that time that you want it, I don't see why not. Like, every time I hear a person say to me, like, oh, I just want to have a hoe phase. What do I do? And it's like, literally just text someone you up. <laughs> right. Like, like they'll, they'll respond. Text someone or even on your, like, vanilla dating apps. Like, if you were just like, hi, I'm just here for, I'm here for casual dating. Like, men actually, I, I found that really funny on when I was on Tinder and Bumble when I changed my profile to say that specifically, I immediately had responses, which also, you know, like I was like, that's for my therapist. Uh, when I'm like, okay, I, uh, I'm having a lot of, uh, I'm having a lot of feelings about not being marriage material, but the minute that I want to hook up, I'm definitely hook up material, but, um, I pay someone a lot of money to go through those feelings. But the thing that I, I think is really interesting about the, like the front loading, the chemistry conversation and the desire conversation is that often I find at least not to overgeneralize about um, men who are straight is that, you know, and that's true for all of us. There's a lot of shame and different kinds of things around sex. And often like those are the hardest conversations to have. So it turns out that if you have the conversation that you're the most ashamed of or the the most, you know, like the thing that's like the scariest to negotiate, if you do that upfront, then 
the rest is kind of like easy breezy. And so the, yeah, like the most, the longest like kind of dating relationship I had in the pandemic was with someone who I met this way and it was actually like really lovely. And also it always cracks me up because it's like you hook up with someone and again, like, I'm not saying that this is for everyone. Everyone doesn't have the stomach for it. Um, you definitely also need to be, like, really strong in your, like, what your boundaries are. You need to be really safe in, you know, like, the ways that you approach people and all kinds of things. But I, you know, I just found that, like, everyone who was like, okay, I just want to hook up once. Like, those were all the guys who were calling me being like, will you be my girlfriend? And I was like, LOL, LOL, The, like, here is the cheat code. Um and I found that like to be really, I found that to be really, really funny in its own way. But I don't know, like I appreciate, um, I appreciate having like, you know, tough, honest, hard conversations. I like saying the things that you're not supposed to say out loud. I like, you know, there. I, I guess like maybe there is like a provocative aspect of my, of my personality. And so, um, so I appreciate like, you know, I, I like when someone can pick up what I'm putting down and I was like, great. Like we are working together to like, to build this. And, you know, and I have to say, like, I was raised in an incredibly, like, very conservative, like, sexually repressed, like, intense, intense way. Um, and have had, like, a lot of sexual trauma that I've had to, like, do a lot of work to heal. And there is just something that has been, like, really clarifying for me about, and again, it came out in the list exercise, right, where it was like, okay, what kind of sexual relationship do I want to have with the person that I am dating or partnered with? And, and I had to, and I really had to like write that down. It's because otherwise, like, I'm that girl that's like, a, I listen to everything, including country music. Like, it's true. I do listen to everything, including oh. country music. I love country. I'll listen to anything. But I do think that um, forcing myself to really be like, okay, like, where, like, what, like, what do I actually want? Like, you can want everything. But if you had to like, make specifics, if you had to be like, desires, like, here's this. And also, you know, like, what kinds of things are you willing to to compromise on what kinds of things are you willing to work through and and for me like what came out in the like when i was writing now all the the sexual chemistry stuff that i wanted i was like oh actually what i really desire is a partner who is just able to talk about this because there is no shame about having different kinds of you know like different kinds of sexual desires like people People want all kinds of freaky, amazing, weird stuff. Sometimes it's not for me. And instead of being like, ew, that's not for me, I can say like, hey, like, I'm really happy for you. Personally, like, I'm not into that. Um, and I, I just like, I've learned that like, it's the communication that's really important to me. And I was like, oh, once I find someone who can communicate about this, can communicate about this in a way that also is appealing to me, other things just become a little easier, you know, because everything is like potentially explosive. It's like conversations about money, conversations about children, conversations about right. family. Like it's just, it just so happens that like sex is a thing that as a society we've decided is that that's the third rail of the subway. And I was like, mm, that's, that's interesting. No, I think it's, I think it's totally fine to talk about. I mean, I had those conversations when I first met George, like when I first met my husband, I was like, Hey, let's, let's talk about sex now. And it was, uh, it was like our between our first and second date, Yay, like, in that period, like we had just met each other, but we're talking about in like, I was like, just being honest, like, and I wasn't telling them like necessarily like what I want in bed. I was just telling them like, Hey, here are my viewpoints when it comes yeah. to, I mean, I didn't use the word consent, but like, here's, here's how I like to talk. Here's I'm like, I'm really open about these things. Here's what I'm like, like, you know, and it's, and I think for a lot of guys, 
I don't believe there's a such thing as a woman being intimidating because I, but I do believe that there are men that are intimidated and it's very important to distinguish like their verb is not my adjective. And, mm. and I say this to you because I don't want you to ever think like, oh, the way you speak or whatever, oh, that intimidates people. No, it doesn't. But there are people that are intimidated. That's their verb. That's not your adjective. And honestly, like the way you speak, I am so in awe of you because I keep like oh, my, my, my soul keeps like bringing these pings like, oh my God, this is who she should be dating or, oh my God, this is who is friends with the guy that she's going to marry. Like this is all I've been thinking the last 15 minutes. That is <laughs> it's so like, I have to have funny. a dinner party. Will you have a dinner party <laughs> to, like... to set me up? Because I did the thing that you're supposed to do. I told all of my friends that I was open to a relationship. I wasn't like set me up with so-and-so. I was like, I'm open to it. So I would really appreciate if you invited me around you know like events that you were having or if you know someone um you know that you think i'd make a good match with that you would introduce us in a casual like no pressure way i like i did the thing did anyone respond um some people did some people yeah some people did actually and some some things have come out of it some things have not and this also goes back to what you said about like the are you being on dating apps or not i was like oh yeah part of why i deleted dating apps is i was like i the social tether is really important to me. I was like, I behave better when I know that, you know, we have a milieu in common. And I also believe that like men also behave better when they have that, where I was like, okay, you're not gonna treat me like a, totally. like a whatever. I am like, this is how I'm connected to, to someone that you know. There's a reason that we used to cast people out of the circle, you know, like in the prehistoric days. It was like, shame is an effective tool. Um, Shame is bad and it should yeah. not be an all-encompassing feeling, but it does have a social, uh, it does have like s social importance. And, and I say that also for me, I was like, I, it provides the roadblocks yeah, of uh, boundaries. Exactly. I'm like, I will behave better too. Again, you know, like I, I just think that like really thinking through, um, like this exercise that I did for myself was so clarifying this like, oh, like, like, what, what are my own like things that like would, would be turnoffs for other people. And instead of being like, oh, I'm broken. It was really just understanding like, okay, these are the things that I need to learn how to communicate better. These are things that I also need to let go of because again, like you cannot be in the mind of someone else. Like they, people get to make their own decisions about what works for them and what doesn't work for them. And I cannot be controlling. And, and I know, and again, like sex and sexual chemistry is not, um, I don't think that like, is the, like, I'm not saying that that's the basis for a fantastic relationship. All I am saying is that if you are comfortable, um, relating to people in that way that it provides you an avenue and a different like lens to have important intimate conversations with people and it tells you a lot about I love someone. that i love that i love that on that note so um look i think you're incredible and uh if there are men listening to this who want to date uh my new my new best friend um please contact me uh if you're not following uh aminatu I need you to because she, I mean, you don't even need to download TikTok. She's got the best ones on her stories. Am I crazy here? I mean, not the best ones. My algorithm just really, you know, the Chinese government just really has me pinged down to like <laughs> what my favorite memes okay, are. Okay, in all that, before I let you go, uh, you know, we mentioned TikTok before. What do you think the Chinese government thinks you, who you are based on your algorithm? Oh my God, um, that I am uh muslim queer immigrant depressed single funny lady 
that's exactly what my that's what my Venn diagram See, is. See, this should be a dating app question. Oh, if TikTok were a dating app, um, they would clean. That's out. the snack app. They would snack. They would clean up. It's like if the TikTok algorithm, like the, the TikTok algorithm, I'm convinced could show you the like love of your life in 48 hours. It's like you two, you two, you two. I don't know. I don't think so. I look and I know this because I live with the love of my life, and I look at his TikTok sometimes, and I'm like, your algorithm and my algorithm are like totally different they don't have this to all oh, i'm not saying i'm not saying they have to be the same i'm just saying true. they have to be compatible that's true listen it's um being you can't be the same as like anybody who you're you know it's the love of your life and honestly for me like the one thing i will say like to end your podcast is that i know that we talked a lot about relationships and dating um i feel really lucky that some of the greatest loves of my life are my friends and I feel that my life mm -hmm. is actually really complete like I'm not missing something um this is like a bonus I would like um it's a it's a new thing I'm listening to myself about and I'm also not convinced that like relationships are forever and that there is someone for everyone I think that these are all things that we teach especially little girls that are really harmful That's and true. that like at the end of the day at the end of the day, the point of like life is to get to know yourself and different people will bring that to you and um, and different relationships will bring that to you. Some of them will be romantic. Some of them will be not. But you can have great you can have a great and full life and you can have like the deepest love you've ever had without ever being like partnered with someone romantically. And I feel really lucky to have that. I love that. Where can people um find you follow you learn more about you oh my god with you, i would like to i would like to not be perceived um but <laughs> if you want to date me or if you just want to laugh at my um at my instagram stories or you know of a great person who would like to date me you can follow me on instagram at aminatu a-m-i-n-a-t-o-u I will include the link into my show notes. Uh, Yaminatu, it was amazing speaking to you today. Thank you so much for sharing your story. You're the best. Thank you so much for being um, really awesome and not weird and so fucking good at your job. I love it. I love I'm meeting competent weird. women. It's beautiful. I know. It's amazing. Uh, and thank you for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. As I've mentioned previously, if you'd like to attend an upcoming Agape Intensive in real life, go to agapescapes.com and register there. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at Matchmaker Maria. I post a link there from time to time so we can do a hotline episode where I answer your dating and relationship questions on the hotline. Until then, you can learn more about what I do or enroll in an upcoming Agape Intensive by visiting agapematch.com slash services. Thank you again for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. Be lovable and more importantly, be likable. See you next week. <laughs>